Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's going on, my people? This is Pastor Jay Harris from The Ville Church. Listen, thank you so much for tuning in for this word this morning. Um, you know, every every couple times throughout the month or whatever, we jump online with our online sermon. We realize we got people that are scattered throughout the United States and even abroad who tune in for our sermons. And it's a blessing to be able to do this because um, sometimes I get emails or messages from people or whatever that I don't even know like that, I've never seen. And they just talk about how, how significant the message is in their life. Um, I had a gentleman hit me not too long ago and it was when I was, one of my sermons I was talking about parenting and I was talking about um, you know, even confessing sin with my own kids and having to repent for missing it as a father sometimes. And this gentleman hit me and was just like, my God, this sermon, I just happened to roll up on it and I listened through and it was exactly what um, I was seeking God for. So it's a blessing that we're able to come together and do this message online and use technology to reach out or whatever, because there's people out here that, um, you know, they need encouragement just like we all do, right? So people encourage me and and, and, and in turn, God, God encourages me as well through his word and I'm able to give that away or whatever as he tells us to do. So he works, you know, in us and he works through us, right? So we, I'm just glad to have you for this sermon this morning. And I'm gonna be in Galatians 5. I'm gonna go ahead and jump into it and run you through it. Um, this one's probably gonna be a shorter one, but it's gonna be a powerful one, right? This series, this is part one of a sermon series called Grace Yourself. And the reason it kind of came about is because I just been looking at the idea of grace. And even when I talk to my own personal counselor, when I'm thinking about all the things that worry me or concern me, he's always telling me like, yo, Jay, you need to give yourself grace. And it's made me process just like grace more. And like, do I actually, I know how to preach about it, but do I know how to actually receive and function in the grace that God gives, like live it out, right? Like, do I accept it for myself when I feel I've missed it? Um, and, and this right here, this text in Galatians 5, the context is Paul is writing to the church and the churches, people are being deceived because there's people coming in who are traditionalists or are religious and they have all of these laws they follow and they keep telling the people like hey yo you 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 got to be you know you got to be circumcised or whatever you got to do this you got to do that to be right with God and Paul is like that's anti the gospel and it's anti the message that I brought to you right and so when we're looking at this text and how it folds out man like grace floats to the top of it and that's what I want you to get today right that's what I want you to get today that's what what, what I, I want us all to walk away encouraged to grab hold of the grace of God, the gift of God. So let me read the text to you really quick, right? Verse one, it says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. He says, look, I Paul say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Then he says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty. Whoever he is, 
But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So that's our text for today. I'm going to go through and I'm going to just break it down line by line, right? This first part, he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That's what he lays out as his first statement as he's about to run away into this whole idea of grace versus the law. Dr. Tony Evans says this thing right here. He says, spiritual freedom is living a thank you life and I want to life versus I have to life. And then Paul, once he makes this statement, he, he goes and he presents, he's going to present the perils of placing your trust in something other than the saving power of Yeshua, of Christ, of Jesus, right? And so I want to back it up real quick in, in this Tony Evans statement, because when I preached this previously, somebody came and said, this statement right here really hit me. So I want to make sure everybody is watching that it lands on. He says, spiritual freedom is living a thank you life and I want to life versus I, I have to life. And that's what Paul says, do not again, don't submit to, to again to a yoke of slavery. He's saying this idea where God's love, the way you see it is like an abusive father where it's like you're going to be whooped every time you make a mistake. Because if that's what compels you, then it undo, undoes this idea of, of love, right? But God shows us in his word that his love, when he shows us in Jesus Christ, Jesus is dying for us. The Bible says while we were still in our trespasses, while we were still knee deep, blind, right? Dead in our sin, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. That is grace, something that we didn't deserve, something that we couldn't work for and earn. And so Paul is saying, don't flip back to thinking you can hit these marks and earn it versus placing your faith in Christ. There's a freedom that comes there, right? In that relationship. And in verse 2, he says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage of you. So he's like, he's like, if y'all want to play that game, let me go ahead and break it down for you. He said, Christ won't be an advantage to you if you accept circumcision. And in verse 3, he says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. He's making this statement because he's saying like, if you want to play this game of you think that you can act, walk, talk, move in a way of self-righteousness that's within yourself and think that you could present that from God, then you're saying, God, I don't choose to receive the free gift of grace that came through Christ. I don't choose to be made righteous by the work that Christ did, the sacrifice of Christ. I don't choose to walk in the light and say, God, my God, I am a sinner and I need a savior. I don't choose to say, God, when I'm honest with myself, even when I think I'm cute, my sin is wretched. I have a way of even polluting a good work, right? I have a way of messing up even the simplest things, right? My love sometimes is selfish and about me. It feels like love to me, but like 
is rooted in selfishness. You know, and I'm just basically making a point about all the ways that sin can weave into our life like it's so deceptive, right? Like the Bible tells us, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. When we try to conjure up our roadmap to God, we come up with a grave. That's, what we, that's how it ends. And Paul is saying, if you pick this way, this is what you're choosing to place before the throne of God. And it's not going to work. But he said, if you accept what Jesus done and you present Jesus' work, Jesus died for my sins. Jesus lived a holy life in my place. I accept his righteousness. That he, that's a gift to me, right? So he makes that clear. It's like, homie, playing a dirty game. And then in verse 5, he says, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So that statement, if we contextualize it, we're dealing with people who think they actually meet the mark. Like we read in the scriptures and we read about the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple. And the Pharisee walks in and he says, thank you, God, I don't do this. Thank you, God, I don't do that. Thank you, God, I'm not like this dirt, you know, dirt ball tax collector back here or whatever. He's like, I got my stuff together, God. Thank you that I got my stuff together. And then the tax collector comes behind him and he says, God, have mercy on me. Y'all know this because it seemed to, I seem to not be able to preach without bringing up this text because it's so significant and gives so much clarity to me that I'm always leaning on it. But the tax collector comes in and says, God, have mercy on me. Tax collector knows he's sinful and he's saying, God, I need your mercy. I'm fully aware of my condition. Homie up there think he's meeting the mark. Maybe even people in the streets think he's all good and perfect. And that's his thing. But my thing is that I need your mercy and grace. So when Paul makes this statement, he says, for through the spirit, by faith, we eagerly, are, we eagerly wait. We ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Paul is saying, you can't even shame us with our flaws because we're fully aware of them. And we put our faith in the work of Christ. And one day, the promise that the word gives us is that our bodies are going to be renewed. This battle of the flesh against the spirit of good versus evil, good being God, evil being the work of Satan. God is going to take and swallow that evil up whole. And he's going to renew our bodies in this flesh that causes us and besets us and, and, and desires sin. He's going to free us from it forever. But even in the right now, He's already given us that promise. So we're able to look forward to the hope. It's like when somebody says, like, if you stranded somewhere and the person next to you is like, man, we just out here, we, we stranded or whatever. But you're like, yeah, I'm out here with you. But my daddy's coming to pick me up. He'll be here soon. But I know he's coming. You have a hope. And that's how it is for us as believers. Paul is pointing to the fact that, like, we are eagerly waiting for this hope of righteousness that has been promised to us. We, by faith, the spirit that lives in us, that has been gifted to us because of the work of Jesus and salvation that works in us, we, by faith, are eagerly looking forward to the righteousness that is going to come. We're fully aware of our sinful nature now, but we find nourishment in the promise of God. Verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor circumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. 
this is the spiritual freedom that Dr. Evans was talking about, right? Our thank yous to God are so important because in them is the proper posture we should have before God, right? So when we thank God for waking up in the morning, when we sin or we feel we fail, remembering the gospel that saved us and thanking God for his mercy and love, right? Not only that, like wanting to walk in obedience in response to his goodness, whatever, like these are things that come out of our faith. God is a gift from God that we could even care, right? Like when I used to be in the streets and doing all my sin and everything else, I never woke up with a guilty conscience. I had justifications for everything that I did. But now this faith, the faith allows me to come out of the dark and put my sin in the light and go on, God, I used to justify this mess, but I see myself. And it convicts me. But because of what Jesus has done, I'm not condemned because he, he, the wrath of God was put on Jesus on the cross so I could receive his righteousness. And there's a promise, an eternal promise of being with God that comes in that, right? And after Paul, he works to this but insane, but only faith working through love. I would imagine that he, he, he steadies his voice and he pulls the Galatians close. And it says something that is necessary for everybody listening to me this morning to begin to wrap, you know what I'm saying? To wrap their hearts, mind, and uh, courage around. Verse 70 says this, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Paul is making this distinct distinction. That persuasion that you're messing with right now, that thing that is coming at your brain, I wanna help you with it. That thing is not from God. That is from the enemy of God. It's anti what the word of God says to you. It is not that we are saved by grace and it's a gift of God. It is your mess. You better save yourself. You better work hard. That's what it is. It preaches itself instead of preaching about the work of Jesus, right? Not too long ago, I preached from uh, 1 Peter 5, 8. I wanna read that to you real quick. Text says, be alert and, so, and, and, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the grace of God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I'm gonna read verse 10 again. It says, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I wanted to catch, I wanted you to catch that part, but I want to actually zoom in on this part. Your enemy, the devil, roars around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In this text, what we see is that the enemy, the roaring lion, not the roaring lion of Judah, who proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ, but the enemy, Satan, roars when we are suffering and tries to take our, take our confusion and amplify it. And his ultimate goal is your physical death, but before that, your spiritual death. He wants you 
to believe that you can earn salvation and begin to build ideology that actually goes against salvation by the grace and mercy of God. Because if, you get, if he can get you off pivot, now he has you working. And therefore, you're not receiving the work of Christ. Right? That's the game he's playing with them. And then he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He's telling them there's no way to play works and play grace. One cancels out the other and leavens the whole lump. And it works both ways. Grace, when we are receiving grace, it starts splattering and smashing our idolatry to working because the flesh is evil. The Bible says that the flesh is at war against the spirit and the spirit, the Holy Spirit is at war against the flesh. They're at odds. So salvation for us, you know, people are like, oh, I thought you was a Christian. I thought you were supposed to be perfect and all that. Nah, homie, that's not what walking with God is. Walking and being a follower of Jesus Christ is this Thing which by the work of God you are brought into a war we're in a war that's why we look forward to this righteousness that Paul talks about because that, that the, the righteousness the gift of it is going to settle the war inside of us before we were dead in our trespasses there was no war of good and holiness with God but then we come into salvation Holy Spirit is waging war against our flesh and our flesh craves sin it craves protecting itself. It craves justifying itself. And so when we receive the gospel of grace, it begins to smash the works, right? The work of the flesh. And likewise, if you exalt the work of the flesh, it begins to gnaw your ears, right? Dull your ears and, and, and nullify grace. It, 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 it makes it small and it makes you big. Paul is in love preaching to them. He's being straightforward and he's cutting straight to it, right? I want to encourage you with something also. Don't stand by and watch people around you be devoured. This thing we're in, this thing called life, it's not a game. It's not nothing to be nonchalant about, right? It's like a vapor or whatever, but it has implications on your eternity, right? And we can't save people. Like, we don't have the power to save people. But we do proclaim a gospel that serves people. So as you wrestle with this scripture, think about how God has called you to love people the way he loves you. To speak truth to people even when it's hard, right? And it's, it is hard. So strive, struggle, pray, toil, plead for courage before God on how to speak truth and encourage people especially when the enemy's roaring in their ear, trying to pull them out the fold, right? Pull them away from God's love and grace. Verse 10, he says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. In verse 12, he says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Yeah, he said it. Paul sees the preaching of works as the anti-gospel, the work of Satan, right? So in the same way you physically can't reproduce if you're emasculated, he wants them to not able to be able to spiritually bear fruit in their heresy. 
that's that's why that statement is so strong because that thing between grace and works grace and circumcision that that thing they're playing with it's that serious and paul wants them to get the point he throws a little shock value with that emasculation john verse 13 he says for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another this bring us, brings us to the last part of our text so I want you to scoot up and listen very well he says for you are called to freedom he started this text off for, for freedom Christ has set us free and then he brings it home here he says for you are called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So he paints this picture that in the freedom God has given us in grace, that it calls us in this position of being servants to each other. The disciples say, yo, Jesus, when you leave, who's going to be the boss here? He said, the one who serves all the others. In God's kingdom, leadership is not a pyramid like this and the boss is at the top. It's like this and the boss is at the bottom serving upward. And Paul makes that exclamation point because he realized these conversations are seeking to drive division inside of the church. So he says, but through love serve one another. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's basically saying like, if you want to uh, try something with the law, like if you want to play law games, let me bring you to this text that came out of Jesus' mouth. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Two, the laws hinge on everything. They, they hinge on these two things. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself putting work that way putting you putting work that way that is the fruit of the work of Jesus Christ because we were loved when we didn't deserve it you understand and it's a gift from God and then he says verse 15 he says but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another biblical love is about compassionately sacrificially in service to our father in the likeness of of Christ's service to us, loving and serving your neighbor as yourself. I just I just posted a, te a, um, a, a, a story the other day, and it was a, a shot of this post from this pastor named Rich Velotis, right? Um, and Rich said this or whatever. He said, uh, this is actually a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, those who love the dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may ever be so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. What he's saying is the community of God, we can be a mess, 
but were still his children. And God says, rather than gripe and have strife and fight with each other, realize that your calling is to serve the community as it is, not some kind of idealistic dream of what you think would be dope if it was like, if we could just get on this place, it would be amazing. And we've all done it. We all think like that. That is a part of our flesh that we want it our way. We think the way we see it is a better way, but God has let it be messy. And he's given us the grace and this word encourages us to endure and to push forward in loving our neighbor despite the mess, regardless of the mess. He also, in Rich Velotis quote, he quoted uh, Dostovsky. I could be destroying that name, right? But he says, love in action is harsh and a dreadful thing compared with love and dreams. And that is nothing but the truth. He said, one of the greatest impediments to love is the idealization of love, a way that cherishes notions of love without embracing how costly it is. I imagine if you take the time and you dwell on this word for a minute and dwell on those quotes I just said to you, you will probably find places in your life where you've cherished notions of love um, and walked away with grief. You may be church hurt now or whatever and stuff, because it happens. I've been there also. Um, and the church is not perfect. And we all could be hurtful and we will all hurt people at times. But that's what this text is for. That's why it lands the way it lands, because the encouragement is that despite all of that, despite that, Remember your posture in serving your neighbor, even when they don't deserve it. The same way we deserve judgment from God, but we're given mercy and grace. Remember this, like as you think about this scripture, that's why Paul is pointing them to remember grace. Because if they switch their focus to works and law and be like the Pharisee and say, I'm doing it like this, this and that, Inevitably, they're going to make war with each other and not make love the highest thing, which is the work of the cross. So I want you to encourage to think about that. The grace of God is there for you so you can walk in the light, be guilty of it, not be hitting the mark, and it's all perfectly fine. Um, God doesn't require you to be perfect. Jesus was perfect in your place. So we're free to walk in the light and be like, God, I've messed this one all up. But thank you so much for pointing it to me and loving me enough to want better for me, loving the community enough to be sanctifying us and challenging us. So that's our text for the day. Church, I love you. It's Pastor Jay Harris. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Galatians 5, 1 through 14, 1 through 15 was our text. Continue to chew on that a little bit, right? And uh, I love y'all. Thank you for rocking with us. You can find any more information, any sermons about us at theville.church. If you are somebody who's listening and you feel like you want to give or contribute to our church financially, you can do that at theville.church um, slash give. You're not required to at all. Um, it's not a prerequisite or anything at all. But if you feel God moving that way, we're extremely grateful for your generosity. But thank you so much for being here. And I pray that this word is a blessing to your life this morning. God bless you. Peace.